I'm Gabrielle Walker, the author of Antarctica, and I went down to Antarctica five times for different lengths of time to do research for, for my book and had some really extraordinary experiences of this amazing continent. But I think probably the most extraordinary was when I got to experience a whiteout. And I'd heard about whiteouts and there were two different kinds. The one that, that I'd heard about most is the kind of blizzard where it's like you're in the middle of a, a, a snowstorm or, you know, as if, as if you're in the middle of a, a kind of feather fight or something, all you could see is snow in front of you and all around you. And, and that is incredibly disorientating. And, and um, at one point to, to show us what it would be like and to train us in how to try and get back if we were caught in something like that, uh, the mountaineers put white buckets on our heads so that our voices would be distorted and we wouldn't be able to see and got us to, to go around the place while everyone else laughed. We were bumping into each other. We couldn't see or hear or understand anything. I discovered later that the buckets actually had faces painted on them to make us look even more silly. But it, it was a really striking way of showing you that if you're in the middle of a blizzard, you just lose all sense of everywhere. And that's quite exciting and alarming. But I was really interested in the second kind of whiteout, and it's one that you don't hear about so much. And it's really, it's more like you lose all definition, all shadows, all sense of shape or form. And that happens because you're on white snow, and then you get very, very thick clouds, so you've kind of got a white sky. And every little bit of sunlight gets completely scattered, so by the time it lands on the ground, it doesn't make any shadows. And that means if you look around in every direction, all you see is white. I experienced this up on a plateau in Antarctica in the very, very high interior bit. It's very, very cold. It's minus 40 degrees C, so I was wearing every, every scrap of clothing I had and a thick parka with a very furry hood. And I went out for a walk. I was allowed to go out for a walk as long as I took a radio. It was a little bit dangerous because if you're out in a whiteout and you get disorientated, you might not make it home. So I had my radio tucked inside to keep the battery warm to make sure I'd be safe. And I walked away from the camp, and as I was walking, I could feel my feet crunching deep into the snow. But when I looked down, I couldn't see any footprints. And I actually, I stopped, and I, I put my face really close up to where I'd just stepped, and I still couldn't see any sign of a footprint in the snow. And I touched it with my gloves, and I could feel that it was indented where my foot had been, but I still couldn't see any shadows, any shape, any form. And I looked up and down and all around, and every single direction looked exactly the same. Now, if you've ever looked at a piece of white paper, you can still see a little bit of structure in it. If you look at a white wall in a room, there's still a few shadows, there's still a few shapes. But in this case, there was nothing. It was completely empty. And I walked out as far as I could until I turned around. I couldn't see the camp, I couldn't see anything. And if I looked up with my parka hood, I looked up or down or in every direction, it was completely empty of everything. And I sort of thought, would that be scary or would that be boring or what would it be like? But I sat down on the snow and it felt wonderful. It felt peaceful. It felt like being cradled. This great, intimidating, terrifying, powerful place had just become very intimate and close. You know, it wasn't like being in a sensory deprivation. I could see. I knew I could see for a long way, but there was nothing to see. It was just being in between of everything. And I've tried to think since why that was so striking, because there are many other things that are striking about Antarctica, but that one, it showed me a different side, a different face, if you like, because people talk about void or emptiness as being something that's cold or hard or, or, or frightening. Or, but, but this just felt so peaceful and right. Everything else had been stripped away and there was nothing else there. 
And I sat there for half an hour. It was minus 40 degrees C, but I sat there for half an hour just experiencing it. And I feel like I almost brought it back with me in a bubble inside me. I try and go back there sometimes and remember what it was like. So that was one amazing experience of being in Antarctica. But of course, the other really striking thing, especially when you're up there in this, in this plateau in the, in the highest, driest, coldest part of the entire continent, is how cold it is. And when I first went to the South Pole, which is, is also up on the plateau and is also very high, it's so high that the ice is, is nearly what, three, three, three and a half kilometers thick beneath your feet. And that means it's almost like you're standing on an ice mountain. You get altitude sickness. You feel dizzy when you arrive. But also when you arrive, I, I got off the plane where I'd flown in and we had to land on skis. And we'd, we'd seen this little speck of something in the middle of this vast white emptiness. And we'd landed on these skis. And as I, as I got out, there was, there was someone standing there saying, go that way. And, and I couldn't quite understand what's happening. I felt kind of dizzy. And I took my first breath. And it was so cold, it was minus 50, minus 50 degrees C. It was so cold that instantly the inside of my nose sort of froze. It was like breathing in powder because all of the kind of little hairs and everything inside my nose froze. And then the air was so dry and so cold that as I breathed it in down my throat, it was like being scoured in my throat. And I thought, I can't imagine surviving here. I was wearing all the gear and everything. I just had to get into the building as fast as possible because it was so unbearably cold. But one thing I discovered is that humans are amazing at adapting to things. Because the first day I was there, it was impossible. And the second day I was there, it was hard. And by the third day, I was like everybody else. I could knit between buildings just wearing jeans and a jacket in minus 50. And it didn't seem to hurt so much. So I think one of the things that really struck me is how adaptable we are to, to using our imagination and, 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 and really beginning to believe that we belong in a place. The other thing that's really striking though is it makes a huge difference how much wind there is. Because I was in one place where it was between minus 40 and minus 45, but the sun shone all the time and there was almost no wind. And that meant that it was actually quite pleasant. It sounds crazy, but it was actually quite pleasant. And the scientists there told me that there's, there's a layer of air that you sort of have around your, your body that sort of insulates you, it protects you. And so you could actually be out, outside, I promise this is true, you could be outside in a shirt at minus 40 degrees C and not be too cold. The sun would be quite warm on you and there wouldn't be any wind and you'd feel really quite pleasant. The difference is the second you get even the slightest breath of wind to, to break up that layer and expose you to the real cold, it's almost unbearable. It's appalling. There was one time at the South Pole when I was walking with some other people to one of the buildings and there was some wind and uh, I noticed they were all wearing goggles and I hadn't taken any goggles. I was wearing a face mask, I was wearing a parka and hood and everything but I hadn't put goggles on. And just a tiny bit of wind made my eyes water. And then the water attached itself to my eyelashes, immediately froze, and then my eyes were gumming together. I couldn't actually see because my eyes had frozen together because of, that, uh, because of that tiny little bit of wind. And the others were saying, where are your goggles? Didn't you know? Didn't you think? I, I tell you what, I wore goggles every time I went out after that. But there's some really cool things about it being as cold as that. Another thing that they showed me at the South Pole was how to blow bubbles in minus 50. And what you do is you get, you get a, a bubble mixture and you, get, and you go outside and you blow the bubble and you get this lovely big bubble with all the beautiful rainbow colours in it. And it immediately hits the air and immediately it freezes and it shatters 
and you get all these little shards of this fantastically beautifully coloured shards of frozen soap bubble that, that land on the ground or on your shoulders or all around your head. And then you blow another one and poof, it shatters and there it goes. It's a beautiful experience. And what's funny about these places is that it's so cold outside. The buildings are very well insulated. You go inside and people are in shorts and t-shirts and they have you know, saunas and games rooms and offices and computers. Um, but they also, the, the door to the outside is a freezer door. But in this case, the freezer's on the outside and you're on the inside and you use a freezer door to keep yourself safe from it. And uh, some people say, well, obviously you don't need freezers in, in Antarctica at the South Pole, but in fact you do. Because usually freezers are only about minus 20, minus 25 degrees C. If it's minus 50 out there, some things can get too cold. So in Antarctica, you have freezers to keep things warm, not to keep things cold. And when you're inside, the air is so dry and so cold that you also you get this build-up of static electricity. This is one of my favourite things because it turns everybody into a sort of Harry Potter. And, and, and what happens is you build up more and more static electricity. Then if you touch something like a doorknob or a bit of metal, you get this <laughs> crackling spark that can jump from your finger. It actually hurts <clears throat> every time. But it turns you into a, into a wizard. And I, I really like that. The, the scientists don't like it so much because it can really damage your equipment. They, they, they get into the habit of touching metal every time they can just to make sure they don't build up too much. One thing that, that I think though is really special, and I wish I could experience this, I've never been in Antarctica during the winter, but I have spoken to many people who have, and it's very difficult to be there in the winter because in the summer you can fly in and fly out, you can go in by boat and you can leave again, but if you go in the winter, you're just there. And at the South Pole, for nine months of the year, the planes leave and you're on your own. You get sick, you get bored, you get fed up, you go crazy. It's hard luck. Nobody's coming to get you. And that is the most amazing experience, apparently. I've, I've had many people describe it. Just think about what it will feel. In the world today, even if you're on the International Space Station, you can leave within a day or two. But at the South Pole, it's really one of the very few places in the world where you cannot leave. In the winter, you cannot leave. There's no way to get out. So you're stuck on this base with maybe 50 other people and you're there to stay. And then the sunset, sunset starts, the sun starts disappearing because at the South Pole you have a long day, six months of daylight, and then you have two weeks of sunset where the sun gets lower and lower and lower on the horizon every day and your shadows get longer and longer. They call it the time of the long shadows until eventually the shadows go so far that you're like a giant. Every step that you make, you've got these massive giant long strides on your shadow that, that match you. And then as the sun falls a little bit more and you get the most beautiful sunset that lasts for days and days and days. And then the sun dips below the horizon and you start to get dusk and then you get darkness and you have six months, six months of pitch black darkness. No relief, no relent. And so that's really something. But I thought, again, I thought that might be something that would feel kind of scary or horrible. But, but the people who've experienced it say it's, more like a, it's almost like a comforting blanket. They say they don't use torches, they don't use headlamps to go outside because if you use a headlamp, it's almost like you get tunnel vision, you can only see one thing. Whereas if you just try and use your eyes and adjust, you pick out shapes of buildings, you understand, you feel, and the starlight and especially if there's a full moon on the snow, it's quite bright enough to show you everything in this beautiful silvery colour. But the other thing that can show you your way are the southern lights, the equivalent of the northern lights. And if you're out there, I mean, it can be really cold. It can be minus 70 degrees C. You have to have really special equipment to be able to go out there at all. But if you do, 
and it's dark and you've just got some starlight and you get these dancing colours in the sky of greens and reds and these shimmering curtains and so on. And it really, I've seen the pictures, I've seen the northern lights for myself, I've seen the pictures of the southern lights. I've tried to imagine what it's like to be out there in minus 70 with the starlight at the South Pole and see these colours dancing and I would love to be able to do it. One other thing that you can do at the South Pole if you're there in the winter, and it is the only place in the world you can do that, is you can join an extremely exclusive club called the 300 Club. And to understand what this is, you have to work in, in temperatures in Fahrenheit, not in, in centigrade. But at the South Pole in the winter, on a few days, the temperature drops below minus 100 Fahrenheit. And if the temperature drops below minus 100 Fahrenheit, an announcement goes across all of the PA systems, all the tannoys in every building, the temperature has dropped below minus 100 Fahrenheit. And immediately the people who want to be in the 300 Club, they know what to do. They go running for the sauna. Now, the sauna normally only goes up to about 180 Fahrenheit. That's the highest temperature you can get. But if you fiddle a little bit with a thermostat, you can get it to go up to plus 200. It's really hot. That's really hot. So you go into the sauna, you take off all, and I mean all, your clothes, and you sit in the sauna, plus 200 Fahrenheit. And then, when you're warm enough, you go outside. You're allowed to put boots on so that you don't get frostbite and lose your toes, but you're not allowed to put any other clothes on. So in your boots, apart from that stark naked, you go out in minus 100 Fahrenheit, and you run up to the South Pole, where there's a marker, and you touch it, and you run back again. And in that process, you go through a temperature change of 300 degrees. Now, I've spoken to people who've done this. It's a very, very exclusive club. <laughs> they tell me it is an extraordinary feeling. <laughs> Nobody has actually lost any important body parts doing it yet. I'm not sure I would recommend it, but I tell you what, if I were at the South Pole in the winter and I did hear that Tano sound, I don't think I'd be able to resist.